Welcome to Modern Day Rosies, the show where we focus on women who personify the legacy of Rosie the Riveter. Rosie the Riveter was a name given to many women during World War II who broke the societal norms when they went into the workforce to complete jobs that were typically done by men. Modern Day Rosies are women who continue this legacy by making a difference and changing the world for the better. I'm your host, Savannah, and today we have the pleasure of speaking with a woman who's unafraid to leave her mark on the world. She's known for having a perfect balance of candor and kindness. I'm talking about Caitlin Maida, one of the top morning hosts for 96.3 KSCS radio station in Dallas. What made you want to become a journalist? Let's see, what what made me want to become a journalist? So I knew um, at a young age that sitting behind a desk was never going to do me justice and would probably make me go stir crazy. So I grew up um, very close with both my parents, but my dad is quite the character. He's kind of... um, He can talk to the wall if he needs to. He's got friends from all different walks of life and just the easiest person to talk to. But also, you know, he just randomly knows a lot about a lot of different things. He's like this encyclopedia of useful information. And so I think I get a lot of my personality from him. And so it seemed like a pretty seamless transition for me as a career to go into a career where I could talk with people and different types of people and continue to learn and continue to share the things that I've learned with people on a broad spectrum. I also wanted to, you know, really be close to the music. My dad listened to a lot of music growing up. We would have like these dance parties and concerts at my house. And so that was a huge part of growing up. Music is still a big part of my life. And so I wanted to make sure that I gave myself an opportunity in my career to work with the things that I love. And I would say that those two things would be music for one and then, um, you know, broadcasting journalism and just kind of being in the know and being a little nosy at times, but in a good way and trying to get messages out to to the people. Definitely. Have your parents always been supportive of your decision to go into broadcasting? So when I first told my mom that I wanted to go into radio, um, I I think she cried maybe a little bit. Um, She is very, my mom comes from a small town in Louisiana and all my family's still there. It's a great, great little place called Abbeville, Louisiana. And uh, I think she always just had that mentality that was like, you got to go to school and get an education and you got to get out and, you know, make something of yourself. And so she always hammered that into her kids, right? Like I've got one brother that's a surgeon and another brother that's taken over the family business. And, you know, her thing was always like, you know, be a doctor, be a lawyer, you know, the typical things that your parents want you to be something great, something that usually is going to give you more of a stable work environment or, you know, a stable career path. And so when I said, mom, I think I'm going to go into radio. She was like, what do you mean? Is that even a real job anymore? Like radio, like you're going to talk on the radio? You know, she was just kind of confused by it. And I think a little worried. Uh, So it's been really cool watching that come back around full circle and actually being able to make something of that radio career to be like, see, mom, you didn't have anything that you needed to worry about. How did you get involved with the Hawkeye in the morning show? So, um, I actually, I I started my radio career out in Houston, Texas. I'm originally from Texas, so I've been super fortunate to spend my entire career, which is almost 10 years worth, um, here in the Texas area. So I started down in Houston where I was from doing an internship, just like you, 
and I kind of did every job that was possible at that station. I was a board operator. I worked in the um, promotions department. I did overnights, weekends, fill-in shifts, and I did that on different stations, our classic rock station, our country station. And then I moved into a full-time role that me and my boss at the time came up with because nobody was running their social media at the time. This was right when social media had gotten really big. Mm -hmm. Um, So there was the Twitters, the Facebooks of the world. Instagram wasn't really a big thing yet. I don't even know if Instagram was even a thing. It maybe had just gotten started at the time. Mm -hmm. And so... I went to them and I was like, hey, look, you guys are really kind of lacking as a station presence on social media. So I want to make sure that we get ourselves out there. So my boss at the time, Johnny Chang, shout out one of the, he actually just got named the number one programmer in country radio and Radio Inc. this year. It's an award he gets a lot because he's fantastic at what he does. Um, But we were like, let's come up with a full-time position for you to do just that, for you to monitor, cultivate, you know, direct what's going on on social feeds for the station. So we did that. And I had that job while still doing on-air work as well. And then I got a call about a year into it from J.R. Schumann, who is my old boss from here at New Country 96.3. And... He called me up one morning. He was running the station at the time, and he's like, hey, so, you know, we we would love to add you to the show. It was it was right after Terry Dorsey had retired, who is a radio legend, um, even just a, a, a legend in general outside of radio here in the Metroplex. So, you know, my first feelings were, oh, my gosh, I'm, what? Like, what do you mean? This is, this is an iconic show in the number five market in the country, and yes yes I'm coming I'm packing my bags and I'm coming and uh, it was a pretty easy decision because it was a huge step in my career and you know I, I really applaud my old company that I was with Cox Media because not only did they nurture me as a young talent they really embraced me and made sure that I learned everything I needed to know but when it was time for me to go there wasn't that hostility of like well we've taught you all of this stuff and now you're leaving us which I think is so important when you're influencing a young person's career is that you give them the feeling that they should spread their wings and fly because if not they're going to feel like a you know a bird with clipped wings and when I I'm so nervous like sweaty palms when I had to go sit down and tell them and um, and I did, and, and I'll never forget that, that Johnny Chang, again, my boss at the time, was like, oh, you got to take it. Like, I, didn't, I hadn't even asked him. I was, I was, like, in the process. I'm like, hey, I got called and was given an offer, and I'm, like, in the process of asking, you know, can I take the job? And he was like, oh, you have to take that job. I mean, you've, you've just got to go. That's huge. This is huge for you. Congratulations. This is awesome. Yeah. And um, so, yeah, I... I wrapped up I, I put in like you know my two weeks or whatever and then I, I wrapped up there and and you know gave some really really tight embraces when I left that company because it was such a great company to work for and then came here and I've been here ever since six years now wow. yeah long time what would you say has been your most memorable moment of your career the first just artist related would be meeting George Strait because I grew up he was an icon uh, here in Texas and in my home I grew up listening to him and he's just a George straight hubba hubba. So um, <laughs> I'll never forget the first time I met him. And I was so starstruck, which I usually don't get. But I was like, uh, 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 I don't even remember what came out of my mouth. Um, and I had him sign a beer koozie that I randomly had in my purse because, you know, Texas. And um, that was that was a big moment for me in my career. 
and the other one would probably be um, being able to take my mom to the ACM awards because a few years ago I started covering them this will be uh, going back this year will be my eighth year to cover them seventh year to cover them think seventh maybe and yeah I've been doing it a long time now and when I first got the opportunity you know my station at the time was like you should go and and do radio row by yourself that's a lot of work usually they'll send like a team out and they were Mm -hmm. like we think you can go by yourself and just you know do these artist interviews and I'm like okay now each day consists of doing like at the minimum 100 interviews and you're seeing people anywhere from Reba McIntyre Tim McGraw Garth Brooks to you know, um, the up-and-comers. Uh, one time we had the mayor of Las Vegas come with two showgirls and do an interview because the ACM Awards are in Las Vegas. Oh, um, we've had Chris Angel, like a magician, come. It's all kinds of fun people, but it's a lot of work. And um, that, to me, was a moment that I was like, wow, I made it to like another level that I just didn't know I was even capable of. And the second year that I went, I got to bring my mom with me. Oh. And that was a really huge moment because for somebody that was so concerned about my career, uh, I, I could tell she was proud. And, and, you know, it had come full circle at that time. And she was like, wow, you've, you know, this is really cool what you're doing. And there's nothing better than getting um, the okay and the approval of your parents, right? It doesn't matter how old you are. Like, we seek that. It's, it's innately in us as humans. We're like, I want my maker to be so proud of me. So... You know, it was really cool for to have that moment with my mom. Definitely. Can you tell me the story behind your nickname, Connected K? Yes. The name that will never die. Uh, Connected K was given to me when I first started because at the time I was doing all of the social media for the stations and still doing on air. And my then boss was like, Connected K, why don't we go with Connected K? like connected k what that's such a mouthful people will still call me the wrong name i've been connected k for almost 10 years now people will still call me connective k which sounds like an infectious disease and so he was like connected k will be great because you do the internet and social media and on air and award show you just kind of keep people connected you're everywhere so i'm like okay and my friend Al at the time who now works here with me was like, you know, you got to be careful because once you pick a name in radio, it's going to stick with you forever. And I was like, okay, sure, whatever, I'll drop it. So when I got the offer to come here, I told JR, the guy that had hired me, I said, can we go ahead and drop Connected K? Whenever I start, I'd like to just go by my name, Caitlin. He's like, what? No, we love Connected K. Like, that's who you are. It's who you are. It's what... That's what people know you as. You're Connected K. You're coming in as Connected K. I go, okay. So JR was with us for a little bit, and then he left, and we got a new boss in. And I go to this new boss, and I'm like, hey, this is a few years in. I go, hey, I'd really love to start dropping the name Connected K and using my full name. He's like, same thing. What? No. We love Connected K. That's who you are. I'm like, oh, my gosh. I just cannot get rid of this. I love Connected K. It's part of who I am. It's a great memory for, like, my springboard into radio. But I just don't want to keep it. It's a mouthful, you know, all of that. Mm -hmm. And um, finally, finally this last year, we had a, a new guy coming in and running the company. And he came in for meetings. And he goes, now, Connected K, you asked me the same question you did. What's the history behind the name? So I give him the name. And he goes, great I think that's a great way to get started you know in the industry and stuff but a a mouthful and I go yeah it's definitely a mouthful and he goes do you like it and I was like well I don't hate it it's it's me but you know I, I I would like to transition he's like okay done we'll do it 
So that's why lately over the last few months you've heard us using more of my real name, which is Caitlin, and kind of, you know, bringing that more to the forefront and letting Connected K slowly, you know, go into into her little hole. Still the same person, different name. Sometimes <laughs> we have to evolve, you know? Yes, yes, of course. What is something you want the public to know about women journalists? Ah, my favorite kinds of questions. So the first thing that I would love the public to know about female journalists is that we are to be taken just as seriously as the male journalist. And I know that for some people hearing that, they're like, okay, lady, this is not, you know, the olden days. You don't need to tell us that. But the shocking reality of it is that I do. I do have to say that because I do still go through so many of those struggles in my career now. It's 2020, and I still go through those struggles in my career where people don't take me seriously or some people just straight up won't even acknowledge me. Wow. And um, it's like, oh, you know, the little sidekick girl. You know, you know, it's that kind of mentality. Like, oh, she's cute. She's here having a good time. This is all fun and games. Like, no, this is not fun and games. This is my career that I've worked very hard for. And um, you see it with young people in general, but you see it a lot more with, with women in the industry because there's this whole, you know, this whole thing about, um, you know, what role you're supposed to play and and then you know looks are always a part of it it's like if you're younger um and even remotely looks some type of way people are like oh she can't be taken seriously or oh i wonder how she got to where she is you know those types of stigmas so badly need to die completely because they're so far from the truth these days but there's still a lot of people out there that, you know, think that way or, or, or believe that, you know, some of those things just because it's, it's what they've always heard. And um, so that's one thing I, I want people to know. That's probably the most important thing is that uh, female broadcasters, journalists should be taken just as seriously as the men. We're working just as hard. Our hearts are in it just as much. And that's really all we want is to be taken seriously. I mean, I'd almost argue that we work, you know, harder than the guys because of the stigmas and everything that you know a lot of times women do just the same if not more effort than the guys they just get less credit for it exactly right we're having to to fight this uphill battle you know one time I was talking with my co-host here and um he said to me and and private, but I think he'd be okay if I shared this one sentiment and not the whole conversation. But, you know, he said, you know, I've, I've never had to see somebody go through the struggles you've had to go through in your career. And it was such an interesting full circle moment for me because I've, I've fought so many of those battles silently and still do silently, right? Because I've, I've had a lot of opportunity in my industry mm -hmm. and I don't want to call it luck. I think luck um, doesn't justify hard work you know I, I've I've worked very hard and I've been given some great opportunities and I started off in market number six and I got a morning show after that in market number five and so a lot of people would see my come up in this industry and think wow like she just that was easy for her or mm -hmm. you know she did that so quickly or oh she started off here so of course the only place she's going to go is up from there and I've always had to keep this facade of like you know I, I love what I do and it's not a facade I do love what I do but there have been so many struggles that have happened on the back end things that have been said opportunities that have been kept from me or withheld from me roadblocks that have been intentionally and unintentionally put in my way because you know 
somebody might feel like as a young woman, I might not have the chops just yet to be given such an opportunity. And it's exhausting. And there's still days where, you know, I go home and cry or, you know, there's people that are evil like on the internet. And so that moment when he said that to me was like, wow, you know what? I have. And so that speaks to what you were saying about sometimes women do have to work a little bit harder, not in the sense of like what we're doing at work, like our, you know, these are the jobs we have to do, but in an overall sense of building that career. Definitely. What are, we kind of talked about this, but can you go more in depth into the differences in the treatment of men journalists and women journalists and how there might be some differences there? There are. Um, I I cannot tell you how many times I have been um, referred to as sweetheart, doll, um, you know, be a good good girl. um, And those things infuriate me. I am from Texas. I'm from the South. And so I do enjoy the term sweetheart. And Mm -hmm. when my dad calls me sweetheart, I melt. When he calls me doll, I melt. When my brothers do. Um, But I don't need to ever be called that in business. Mm -hmm. Never once in a business setting do you ever need to call me sweetheart. It happened not that long ago. Um, There was was something that happened here at work, and I'm, you know, not going to say who the person was. Um, I will say it was not my (laughs) co-host. But um, I had an interaction with another co-worker in the building, and something was going on. The moment was chaotic, and I was trying to fix it, and he called me sweetheart like in the heat of the moment, like, oh, don't do, don't do that, sweetheart. And I was like, sweetheart, I'm, I'm your 30 year old coworker. I'm not your sweetheart. You know, it's, it's things like that, that a lot of people don't realize they're doing it. And, and it's not to shame these people and say they're a villain for doing that. Mm -hmm. You know, I don't, I don't want to also make it so drastic and extreme that I'm like, don't smile at me or talk to me, you know, cause I'm a woman. But I do want them to understand that these kinds of things instinctively happen still, and it makes us uncomfortable, or it makes us feel like we're not being taken seriously. And then comes what we were talking about earlier, the now I've got to work harder, now I've got to prove this, when we shouldn't have to feel like that, especially once you've already done the proof in your career, right? Once you've worked all the years and and given the blood, sweat, and tears, and it's like, okay, other than that, it's really a case-by-case basis. You know, every every job, every workplace is going to be run by different kinds of people. And um, there is definitely still a lot of the stigma that lives within the broadcasting industry of are women capable enough to take their emotions out of the workplace, take their emotions out of the stories they're covering, mm-hmm. and really bring a true journalistic quality? Because the thought is, well, men instinctively don't have that type of emotion that women do, right? We can just roll with the punches and take it as it comes, but we don't know about you ladies. It's there. It's not everywhere. And I want to make sure and and let everyone know that there are some really great people that are in the broadcasting industry and some really great people that fight for those of us that are maybe going through certain struggles, but there is still some of the bad. And so, you know, that's, that's something that we have to deal with it. You know what? If if I'm wrong, I would love to sit down with someone and talk about why, you know, I don't want to act like I'm the almighty, you know, I know all and have seen all, but I certainly have seen it firsthand and I know close girlfriends that are within the industry that have also had to deal with the same thing, um, as well as pay. Pay is Mm -hmm. something that is definitely a big issue in the broadcasting industry. I mean, you've seen several people, several women in the broadcasting industry that have come out and said, 
hey, you know, I know for a fact I wasn't paid. Um, Kat that was over on E! News that was doing, um, she was working with Jason Kennedy. I mean, she famously walked from what people would call one of the most desirable gigs in entertainment broadcasting because her contract came up and she found out that she was not making the same amount of money as her male co-host for the same job. He didn't even have tenure in it, which I I love both of them, by the way. So this is not, she even said, like, this has nothing to do with Jason. This is more about, you know, the company. But they were doing the same thing, same amount of years in the business, and they're, you know, in the job, and he was making significantly more. And when she brought this issue up with them, they were like, okay, well, sorry, we're not paying you more. And so she walked. I mean, she walked from the gig, and she's done a lot for herself and for that awareness in the last couple of years about bringing, you know, equal pay to the forefront. And like I said, it doesn't happen anywhere, but you will walk into a building where, um, you know, right off the bat, you'll, you'll either know or be told. I mean, I have been told before to my face that I was only going to be getting paid a certain amount because I was single with no kids. And I was like, what? I remember being so mind blown because you hear about these things, right? Mm -hmm. And you're like, well, that doesn't happen. This is like, this is 20, who knows what year it was at the time. It was, it was in the 20, you know, something years. And, uh, cause I don't want to point the finger at anybody right now while I'm still, uh, you know, doing things. But, um, I remember thinking to myself, what? Like, what does that even mean? I'm being paid for the job that I'm doing, not because I'm, you know, because of my status or if I have children or not. And I remember that being a really reflective moment in my career. Like, this is it. This is what you, this is what people talk about. And this is what you hear about. And I think it's very easy for people to say that doesn't happen anymore or, you know, try to reason with it. Well, it makes sense because, and unless you go through it yourself as a naysayer, you're never going to believe it because I I was a naysayer at one point in my career. Like nobody's going to stop me. I'm, I'll do whatever I want. I'll make whatever I want because I'm going to work hard and I'm going to show them. I'm going to prove it to them. Mm-hmm. And then to be met with something that was like, hey, we don't really care how hard you work or what you've done. This is this is it. You're like, oh, bleep. This this bleep is real. Like, this is, this is not, you know, this is not a movie. This is real life. So, yeah. I love that you've censored yourself. <laughs> <laughs> it comes from years of working in, in radio. You can tell. Why do you think that there are so few women journalists in leadership roles? Do you think that would make a difference in changing any of the equal pay, stuff like that? You know, we, we, we wonder this a lot. I'm in, I'm in a lot of different, um, like Facebook groups or email, email, um, groups where me and other female broadcasters will all kind of go back and forth about things we're dealing with or stories or like, Hey, do you have any advice for this? And that is always something that comes up. It's not a secret in the industry. There's numerous publications. We get emails from like our different radio publications that we follow that write about the industry and stuff. And they're talking about like, why don't we have more women in leadership roles Mm -hmm. in radio? You know, it tends to, radio tends to keep filtering itself out as somebody that just is not allowing a lot of opportunities for women. I don't know what the issue is. To be honest, I wish I did because I'd love to start changing it. And I'd love to see it change. But for now, other than maybe reasons I've listed earlier in my other responses, I I don't know what the reason is. Other than, you know, some people just feel like people still don't want to hear 
or see certain people in a position mm-hmm. of power or a position of leadership. There's a really great example of this in a hashtag that's now gone viral and it's called Women Want to Hear Women. And a girlfriend of mine, Elena Smith, that does uh, Nights with Elena now here, she does the nighttime show on New Country 96.3. She really brought this to the forefront because especially in country music in Nashville specifically, there was a big problem with women artists being played on the radio and you heard all these artists speaking out about it and um you know they were just getting super unequal airtime compared Mm -hmm. to the male artists and Mm -hmm. and um you know there are a lot of program directors that run radio stations that'll sit there in a room and argue openly that they that the the saying is women don't want to hear women on the radio um that they're apt to turn tune out whenever they hear you know too much female songs or and as a woman, you're like, what? Who ever said that? I never said that. I would never think that. Like, I, I want more of that. Yeah. Um, but it was a it was a big trend, and it still is a trend, and it's a, still a very hot topic in Nashville. I mean, lots of debates and heated arguments going on over this. And more radio stations are trying to make an effort to include more women in what they're playing. So Elena did this whole podcast called Women Want to Hear Women, and she had several different, uh, you know, influential women in the Nashville scene, including Carrie Underwood, come in and sit down and talk about, you know, that narrative. And I I don't want to misquote Carrie Underwood, but she said something so fantastic and brilliant whenever the subject was brought up while she was on the show, and it basically had a lot of screw you sentiments in it. And um, it was such, it was a moment that was like, yes, you know, this is, this is somebody that is getting the play, right? This is Carrie Underwood stations are playing Carrie Underwood. She's never one of the female artists that are that are, you know, questioned whenever it comes to being played. Having those big fish like that, those big players speak out for the rest of the people is so iconic and it it means so much to all the other people that are involved. So you sit there and you think if they've got this theory about hearing women sing, they probably have the same theory about hearing women broadcast, right? They probably are also mm-hmm. thinking women don't want to hear a lot of women in general on the radio, be it singing, talking, imaging, which is like all of the, you know, commercials and, you know, a, like a radio station commercial where they're bringing you back in from a commercial break. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, those sometimes will be in female voices, but so maybe that has to do with it. I can't, like I said, I can't put my finger on it, but those are maybe a few theories. Yeah. Theories that need to be changed. Yes. (laughs) Amen to that. How do you combat gender prejudices in the field? I got a big mouth. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) No, but seriously, like, uh, you know, I, um, I do lead with emotion. And that's not something that I am embarrassed of or afraid of. Um, my heart is 100% in my career and what I do. I live for this. I eat, breathe, sleep. I mean, everything I do goes into my career, planning my career, making moves in my career, um, maintaining my career. And so, yeah, a lot of passion goes into that. And um, you bet your bleep that when... <laughs> That when something happens that interferes with that, I am going to fight with passion and lead with passion. And that usually comes with me sticking up for myself and being very stern in my beliefs. Now, you will hear a lot of people, I've heard it myself from women, from men, from everyone, that are like, oh, you know, don't make waves. Don't You don't want people at work to think you're an angry woman. I can't tell you how many times, Savannah, I have heard that in my career. Like, 
you know, just let it go. Some things you just need to let go. And I'm like, okay, if, at this rate, I'll be letting go of every single injustice that's happening. Mm-hmm. And, oh, by the way, when I'm doing that, it's not helping me in my career. I'm just sitting here doing whatever. Okay. Oh. You know, not yeah. and nothing's changing for me. So um, that has been my biggest way to combat it is to, you know, speak up for myself. And my <laughs> my dad is, God, my dad's the greatest. I wish everybody could have a dad like mine. Um, Although this following sentence, some people would not agree with. My dad taught us how to fight when we were growing up. Uh, There's no other way to put that. I grew up with all brothers and, you know, he kind of taught me like he did the boys. And, and his favorite thing to tell us was always show up to the fight. You don't Mm -hmm. have to win the fight, but you always have to show up for the fight. People will always remember if you didn't show up. And, um, God, it was like his favorite saying when we were kids. And that wasn't about technically fist fighting people. You know, it was just about life, hardships in life in general. Always show up for yourself. Always be there for yourself. And, and um, I apply that a lot to my career. Show up. Even if nothing changes. Um, even if, you know, people consider it, you know, too abrasive or whatever it may be. I always show up. I always present at least what I'm feeling or what I believe is the proper situation. And then if it doesn't go as planned, I at least know that I showed up and I, I did my part in trying to fix that. So that's my best way for, you know, combating that. And that's with anything in life, stick up for yourself and show up for yourself always. Cause if you don't stick up for yourself, I mean, who will? Nobody, nobody, <laughs> <laughs> especially not in this industry. They'll be like, Oh, she's going all right. Great. I'll move right into that slot. <laughs> oh my goodness. If you could change one thing about today's culture, what would you change and why? About the culture and broadcasting or just culture in general? Um, both. Actually, it's funny. I, I asked like that kind of goes together. I think my answer is the same for both. Um, I'll probably get some eye rolls on this because it's, I feel like it's almost overused. It's overused because it is so incredibly important and and such a big responsibility is to be nice, uh, to just be nice. I I don't know, you know, as a kid that grew up in the nineties, Uh, I guess some would call me a millennial. I'm on the older end, I believe, of the millennial spectrum. Like, I just made the cut. Um, I don't remember growing up with this much hatred and hostility everywhere around me. And that, to me, has been really weird as an adult to adapt to. Um, The anger and confusion that I think a lot of people feel in today's culture. As much as I love social media, I think social media is the ultimate reason for all of that. Um, you know, we've given people this platform to say whatever they want and, you know, throw the idea of, of ethics and values out the window and, and say what you want, you know, do what you want. And, um, I I believe that there's a lot that goes into, you know, if you don't have anything nice to say, don't say it at all. Or, you know, speaking words of positivity into people instead of speaking, you know, negative thoughts into people and it hurts people. It really, really hurts people. And we've come up with this weird, um, it always kind of makes me laugh a little bit when people are like, oh, don't worry about the naysayers on social media. Haters going to hate. Roll it off your back like a duck in the water. And I'm like, no, that's not 
how that works. I mean, any time that you're putting, we are human beings. We still strive off of feeling and emotion mm-hmm. and thoughts, and and we're highly intelligent creatures, most of us. And so, you know, you're expecting to for for somebody to be told all day long when you're in the public eye or when you're a celebrity chances are at least once a day somebody's going to tell you how much you suck either how much you suck or how much they don't like your face and to be told that every single day time and time again it wears on you Mm -hmm. it's why you see guys like Justin Bieber crying on TV and then you know I open up you know a, a online publication it's talking about oh Justin Bieber deemed emotional because he was crying in an interview and I'm like you know, yeah, Justin Bieber has made some mistakes in his life, and he's done some things that have made us all go, ew, you know, what are you thinking? But at the same time, he's still a human, and, you know, you go through these years of people telling you how awful you are and how stupid you are and whatever else, and it's it starts to wear on us as human beings, and Justin Bieber is just one example, but um, it, it happens, you see it more and more happening with celebrities, right? You see celebrities mm-hmm. that are like, you know, people are like, oh, this person's losing it. I'm like, no, they're not losing it. But, yeah, they're probably going through a hard time because for the last three years, every single day when they wake up and get online, they're told that they suck by at least one person. Now, all it takes is one person. Mm-hmm. I mean, I can, you know, I've, I've had one person say something to me online and people be like, oh, don't even listen to them. But all day long, I'm like replaying what this person said in my head. I'm like, how dare they? They don't know me. I need to stick up for myself. I need to tell them, blah, blah, blah. And then starts the human thought process. And before long, you've eaten away at yourself all day long. So be kind. Be kind to people. Spread kindness. Spread positivity. Encouragement. And if you don't have something nice to say, we don't always have something nice to say. There are days when I am sassy and I am sour and the world just didn't go in my way. Mm -hmm. But I don't ever say that out loud to people. I, I don't ever intentionally say things to hurt people because it's just... It does nothing for me, and sometimes it can do a lot more for them and not in a good way. Mm -hmm. So be nice, people. I agree. Do you have advice for women wanting to make it in the journalism industry? Yes. What advice would that be? Um, So this goes hand-in-hand with all the stuff I was just saying, and that is that um, you'll hear the term grow a grow tough skin a lot in this industry when I first got started shout out Johnny Chang once again who I should be paid five dollars every time I mention his name in this (laughs) from him I'm coming for you um but you'll be told all the time in this industry especially in the beginning grow a tough skin grow a thick skin um I don't believe in in that necessarily I think that you know like I said earlier we're humans and we're gonna get hurt and things are gonna offend us and upset us and, and hurt us but um if you could put like this latex or rubber suit on and then you could imagine that everything that people are saying and doing to you um, is like a bouncy ball mm-hmm. or something that would bounce right off of that or water that would roll right off of that, you know, um, that's what you need to get. You need to get like a really great latex suit and you'll probably look really awesome in it too. Um but something to help you to understand that a lot of times when people are speaking negatively to you or towards you, it is much more about the negativity that lives within themselves than it is with you. That is my hardest lesson that I still try to teach myself daily. I'm like relearning it every single day in my career. And it's the biggest lesson I feel like I could share with 
anybody else, be it men or women in this industry, because we're not going to drastically change overnight as a culture or as people. The naysayers will always be there. The ugliness will always be there. I would hope that it's not in as intensive a way as it has been, Mm -hmm. you know, here recently, but there's always going to be people that don't like you or don't like what you're doing or, you know, and feel the need to broadcast that and let you know. And it's so important to just let that bounce off of you back onto them. Like that, you can miss me with that because that has nothing to do with me. Like that, ooh, like duck, duck, duck. Like I'm going to keep moving out of the mm-hmm. way of all of this because uh, I don't want anything to do with it. And that's more your problem than it is my problem. Definitely. That's good advice. Is there anything else that you'd like to add? Um, yes, there is something that I want to add. Because um, I haven't been talking long enough here for 30, 40 minutes. Take all the opportunities that are given because you never really know. This is an, uh, this, the field of broadcasting is evergreen, right? It changes all the time. It's never going to go away, Mm -hmm. but it is going to keep changing. And with every new day comes a new app, a new invention, a new product that you can use to your advantage. A lot of it right now is still free with social media you know social media is such a great marketing tool we're starting to see more of that dialing back with you know wanting to buy ads and whatnot but um you know take every opportunity you can when I first got started in radio I never thought that connected K was even going to be a thing because I would have never thought that okay I want to be a broadcaster I want to be on the radio so I'm going to start running the social media for a cluster of radio stations and that will some kind of way get me in there Mm -hmm. and it did I would have never imagined that. So take the opportunities, learn from them. In every opportunity in any career field, you should take your next step knowing that it's not going to be your final step. Unless you're ready, you know, you've found your dream job and you're ready to settle down or maybe retire one day, you know. But but you should always go into these opportunities thinking, what can I, how can I elevate this? How can I elevate myself, my job that I'm doing, this company that I'm working for, and what all can I do to, to keep moving the ball down the field? And um, finding different ways to be innovative and, and put yourself in the mix of everything. You know, if, if you're looking to get into broadcasting right now and people are going, well, start a podcast. You're thinking, I don't, you know, start a podcast. What? Do it. Because when that job comes up and they go, hey, do you have any kind of history? You know, do you have, what, what's your resume looking like? And you're like, uh, well, I've, I've never worked for a radio station before. I've never done anything, so hire me. And then you go in and you're like, well, I've never worked at a station before, but I've had this podcast that I've been doing for a year or two now, and it's got, you know, 100 episodes. Here you go. That is going to f- stand out. I mean, they're going to be like, oh, my gosh, this person's been doing something and producing and being, pr- you know, productive versus, a, a, uh, well, I haven't really done much. So take those opportunities digital the digital realm has offered so many different jobs that that you know we would have never seen before you have online hosts and podcasts and youtube and tiktok and you know all those things that that are out there and so take advantage of those things well thank you very much i appreciate it thank you and thank you for listening this has been modern day rosies and once again i'm your host savannah Let's stand together to create a better world, one story at a time.